Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. The passion behind it is I want to help the creative industry be respected as a business. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. This show is about commercial art, finding the balance between thriving financially and being creatively fulfilled. I'm your host, Andy J. Miller. Illustration Age is our proud syndicate. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash Talk on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks to all of you who have been reviewing the podcast on iTunes. Tons of you guys have done that. Thank you so much. If you're a big fan and you haven't done that, please consider doing so. You just have to log in, click rate the show under the ratings on iTunes, and that helps us grow. So please consider doing that. Thanks. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, AndyJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Hey. 
Hey guys, all right. Today is a bonus episode on pricing. Here's why it's a bonus episode. It's an episode that I didn't want to do, really, uh, because I don't know, pricing, it's just not the most exciting topic. I'd rather talk about something more philosophical, but the more I got to thinking about it, the more I felt like I couldn't ignore the need for this episode. Over the past couple weeks, I've been asking on Twitter for topic ideas, things that people are struggling with in the creative arts, the commercial arts, and the topic of pricing just kept coming up and it was striking a nerve. And so it got me thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized I had tons of things to say. Uh, Lots of things that I've learned, lots of feelings, uh, all kinds of different things. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to do an episode. I'm not going to make it the weekly episode. I'm just going to get it out there and see what happens. So I hope this is helpful for you. I hope that uh, you get something out of it. The reason I think that pricing is such a hot topic is because there's no answer. There it really is no answer. There's no one. Now, don't turn off the podcast. I do have some answers, some ideas of how to deal with this so that you get some peace and some traction and feel good about where you stand in terms of pricing your work. But I really think it's a tricky subject. There's no one size fits all. Um, And, you know, it's an economic question that's pretty complex. Like, I think economists have a hard time answering this question across all kinds of businesses. It's, It's something that all businesses have to worry about. How do you price things to get the maximum profit um, and, and to build your business? And so, it's a tough subject. I also think this subject is a hot topic because in the face of a lack of information, we will fill in the gaps with a story, with the most concrete thing that we can grasp. We will fill in the story. I can't remember where I heard this. It might have been a TED Talk. Um, if you know, send me an email so I can put it in the show notes. But the thing about being human is that when we have gaps in the story that we can't fill in, like there's missing information, we will fill it in. We will tell a story to ourselves. We'll make up a story. Usually those stories are not great. We usually let our fear, our lizard brain, fill in those gaps with the worst possible situation. And the truth is about being a commercial artist, it's tough. It's a tough battle. This week even, I had a dream job come into my inbox uh, and I was super stoked out of my mind about this one particular aspect of it. And I said, let's do it. They said, okay. And then they turned around and said, oh, wait, actually that one part that you were really excited about, we changed our mind about that. We're not going to let you do that. And that sucks. And it wasn't a pricing issue because I didn't price it out, but like they gave me a price. But I've been in that situation so many times, countless times. You know, I started in 2008, and every year, several times a year, I go through the process of bidding for something, uh, you know, getting paid to test out some stuff, uh, you know, jobs that I was desperate for that don't work out. And there have been plenty of times when I thought that it was a pricing issue, like I said the wrong price. And... Um, The truth of the matter is, 
I'm not sure that's often the problem. I could be wrong. I'm not usually on the other side of the equation. But I think pricing is this concrete thing that we run to, that we feel like we have control over, and we build our stories about why we do get jobs and why we don't get jobs based on the prices that we give. And, you know, it makes me think of, you know, back in ancient times, like where they would worship the sun. And I think it's like, there's this giant concrete ball of fire up in the universe, this massive thing. And we're going to build a story around this thing. It's the thing that gives us uh, light for our crops and all this stuff. And we're going to sacrifice our people to this God. We're going to do anything because the weather and the climate and our crops and our and in sickness and all these things we don't understand. We're missing information. We're going to try to fill in the gaps, and the only, we're going to fill it in with the biggest thing we can see: the sun. And I think often pricing is this elusive thing for us, like. We don't know why we lost the job. We don't know why things didn't go the right way. And the one thing that we can go back to is the thing that we feel most uneasy about, like we gave the wrong number and somebody undercut us or we didn't say enough and they didn't respect us. And I think this is the heart of why this thing is a tricky subject. You know, I think if you think about shy people, shy people often get pegged as judgmental because in the missing information, like them not explaining their thoughts and feelings, we make up a story about what they're thinking. We think they must be thinking bad things, right? I've seen that a billion times. But I think really there's more to the story than just pricing. Now, having said all of that, I'm going to give you, I think I've got seven tips seven or eight tips here, eight tips. And I'm going to give you the eight tips that I've learned, things that I apply week after week that have helped me gain some peace in this area, that have helped me find uh, processes that mean that whether I get the job or not, I feel like I did everything I could do. Um, and, And if I do get the job, that I get paid the price that I feel good about. One more thing before we jump in here. I think the other reason why this is a hot topic and it's a hard thing to pin down is this is a complex economic equation and every business has to come up with their own approach to this. Like Mercedes, their approach is quite different than Walmart. There's a different approach and you're going to have to figure out how you feel about it. Like what type of commercial artist are you going to be? And this is the basic principle. The principle is this. If you get five jobs that you can price for and you price them at 100 each and you get all five jobs, you've got 500 bucks. If you get five jobs that you price for and you price them all at 500 bucks, you lose four of those jobs and you only get one, you only had to do a fifth of the work for the same amount of money, right? And often... When people are willing to pay you more money, they're better clients. And so it's a complex situation. And I I tend to err towards that kind of thinking of, um, you know, I would rather price higher, lose more jobs, get the better jobs, and be able to pour more time and energy into those. And, you know, I think that's probably a more high-end version of the pricing. But I think this is part of the reason why it's a tough situation because you're looking the, the real question is this, how do I gain 
the max profit? That's it's a business question. Uh, how do I gain max profit, uh, least effort, and not terms of in terms of laziness, but in terms of you know trying to you know having to kill yourself over a billion different jobs just to keep the lights on. Um, you know, and I think so. This is the equation that you're trying to balance, and it and it's an equation that all businesses have to balance. How high can I charge? to where I get the maximum amount of jobs. And at the end of the day, I end with the max profit. And that's kind of what we're looking for. That's the problem that we're going to try to solve with these eight tips today. A good base, a good pl- base place to start is to find your day rate that's that's preferable for you. Now, just for full disclosure, I pretty much don't give out day rates or don't do work without a uh, a real exception to the rule. I don't do day rates because I don't think they work in favor of the artist. I think there's a, a lot of problems with that, and I think also that assumes that I'm a freelancer whose time is up to be sold. When really I believe that in order to thrive in the long term, you need to think more like a small business than like a freelancer who can sell your time. Any given week, I can't give you a full week. I can't give you the, you know, the all of my hours in that week because I spend part of the week doing the podcast. I do part of the week um, teaching classes. I spend part of the week doing personal work. I spend part of the week doing all kinds of different jobs that I'm committed to. Um, to keep all of those income streams going and keep it interesting. And I can't just on any given occasion say, all right, the next three weeks are this one company's and I'm going to be giving you this day rate. Now, there's a whole other mess of information there in terms of work for hire. Work for hire being um, I'm gonna, you're going to pay me hourly or per day and you're going to keep all of the the work that I make in that time and own all of the rights. And that's really not great for you, the artist. There have been times when I've done it um, for exceptions to the rule, but I generally try to avoid that completely. However, I think a good foundation for this talk is finding your day rate that you feel really stoked about. And I think the way to do that is just reverse engineer it. So start with the annual salary that you believe that you need or want, um, your ideal salary, I would tack on extra for expenses and being double taxed as a self-employed person um, and also extra money for healthcare uh, and keep all of that stuff in mind that um, you know, you've got to pay taxes, you've got to have expenses, you've got to have extra cash flow. It's not all just profit. So keep that in mind. Come up with an idea just for a hypothetical situation. Let's say that's $80,000. If you divide that by 260, that's the amount of weekdays in a year, and you're probably not going to work that many, you're going to come up with a number like 300. Now, I suggest you add money to that because you can't work for other clients every day of the year. There are days when you need to do admin. There are days when you need to do uh, personal work. And there are days that get thrown out because of sickness and vacation and all that jazz. So you need to bump that price up uh, a bit. Add 100 bucks, add 200 bucks, add you know whatever. Um, but that'll give you a base price. Now, without usage, which we're going to talk about next, I think that 
you can think about this in terms of this is my base for just my time, right? And I think one of the things you need to think about in terms of your time, and maybe you're not comfortable with um, the day rate that you come up with, you're not getting paid just for your time. Like, you know, you're sat at McDonald's flipping burgers or something. You're not, it's not just uh, manpower. They're not just paying you for that. They're paying you for the expertise that you got when you went to school or the 10 years that you've developed this practice and this process and these skills. They're paying for all of that time too. They're paying extra for that. That's why you pay a doctor so much money. You don't pay him because he spent an hour, you know, doing the procedure. You pay him for going to school and all of the practice and all of the knowledge and all that good stuff. And so don't be uncomfortable if the day rate is higher than you'd expect it to be. Now, this is just for your time. So if someone says, we want you to do an, do some work and we're going to use that in just one place, you're going to, you can retain the rights of the image or, or the work, but we just want to use it in this one place for this one occasion then you can just say, okay, how much time is that going to take me? Apply your day rate, day rate um, on your end, and that's about how much that would cost. And that'll give you a ballpark figure. Next up, we're going to talk about usage. So... Usage is a really interesting topic that you really need to know about. And I suggest going to read uh, the letterer Jessica Hish, her blog post, The Dark Art of Pricing. A lot of these ideas were based on this. That was a really uh, pivotal article for me. It helped me kind of wrap around my own take on it, which is different than hers because um, she's uh, you know, an industry giant and I am not. So I have, uh, you know, a different view of that, um, slightly, but it's a good reference point. And you should go check that out if you have questions about usage and she shows you how she prices things out. So for me, this is the, this is a general rule of thumb. If they want to use the, the image, uh, let's say in a magazine one time, they're not going to reuse it. It's going to be there. Um, and they're never going to use it again then I, I'm going to give them uh, something comparable to the amount of time uh, versus my day rate, and that's about what I'm going to charge them. Now, if they want to use it in more than one place, let's say they want to use it online and in print, then I'm going to tack on 25% to that rate. Um, let's say they want to use it in another place. They want to use it on t- in TV as well. Then I'm going to add another 25%. And I just kind of do that um, as they continue to add things up. Now, if they all of a sudden want to put it on a giant billboard in print, um, now you're talking about time versus the amount of people that are going to see it, the value that they're getting out of it. And that's the idea of usage. The idea is that they need to pay you for how much they're using this image, like how much value are they getting out of it? If they put it in a pamphlet that 300 people see, that's going to provide a lot less value than putting a billboard in Times Square where millions of people are going to see it, and they're getting so much more from it. And that's why there's a different price 
for that. And so if they, let's say the usage becomes a lot larger scale, then I adjust that percentage um, just in a gut level. So let's say we went from uh, online and magazine to billboard in, in, in Times Square, I might tack on 75%. Um, and, and it's a sliding scale there. And there's no exact number, but that's generally the principle. Now, you will get into situations where they want to completely buy you out and own the copyright. Now, the thing about that is, is that you're giving away your rights to this imagery and it, it really isn't a fantastic situation for you in terms of uh, your rights and your ability to control what happens with these things. And so when that happens, I think that's when it gets really serious and you need to, um, you know, more than double the price, maybe triple the price in that situation because you really want to cover your bases and you only want to do that when you feel really good about it. One of the ways that feeling really good about it is making lots of money. Otherwise, it, it's not. It's a. It's a difficult call, right? Um, and so when I'm in that situation and they want the full rights to use it however they want for as long as they want, I often will nearly triple the price. Um, and if they don't understand that. You can refer them to this podcast. <laughs> just kidding. In this section, and just and just explain to them like there's a totally different value spectrum of uh, what they're getting uh, use wise. Tip number three concerns your etiquette, your email etiquette, your phone etiquette. And by the way, I never give prices over the phone because it puts you in a weird situation that you really don't want to be in. Um, I would rather be able to think about it in my own time and articulate it well in writing. I think that's uh, generally a good rule of thumb. But in terms of your etiquette, you know, it's not always about what you say, it's how you say it, right? And we know that. Um, and I think one of the things to think about here is to really pay attention to crafting the way that you speak about something. Uh, in terms of sales, this is a massive deal. There, you know, salesmen do all kinds of training to learn the way to approach a sale in terms of etiquette, how you talk about yourself, how you talk about your product or service, and how other people will perceive it. Um, I think. One of the things that you need to think about is if this person's coming at you and they're saying, will you do this job? And you're not really thrilled with the job. It's not really, um, it, you know, it's really a case of getting the right amount of money for it. Then I think it's fine to use definitive terms like this is how much this will cost you uh, and, and just spell it out. Say it's this much money. And leave it as a closed door. And that way, if they're up for it, they'll say yes. And if they're not, uh, they're, you're not they're not going to waste their time with um, tons of negotiating, right? Now, however, often you're going to find yourself in a place where it's a it's a job that you'd really like to do, but in sales, you want to remain in that walk away power. the The walk away power says that you, the salesman. Uh, have so much value to give. You have an equal amount of value to give as they stand to get. And so the power equation is equal. And when the power equation is not equal, you're actually hurting yourself 
because nobody, you know, someone buying someone something from someone where the power equation is out of whack, that's like a handout. If they feel like they're doing you a favor by giving you this job, that power spectrum is all out of whack. And you can think about it like George Costanza. He, he talks about uh, never having any, never having any hand in a relationship. He never has the upper hand, and he does a preemptive breakup to get the upper hand with this woman that he's seen. Um, and and it doesn't have to be a crazy mind game. It just has to be a fact of you believing that you have value to give and having the self esteem to approach things in such a way that says, "I deserve to be paid a certain amount of money," and. I'm, I feel strongly about that. I feel, you know, I'm sure of that. And don't position yourself in a place where you're begging. And you need to be aware of how this power balance continues because in negotiations, it's a big deal. It's a real thing. And so for me, I've tried to develop etiquette that helps me to talk about things in a professional manner, but that's also really honest and open. And so if this is a job and they're asking me for a a price then i will say and I, but i really want the job i won't say this is the price i will say here's what i'm thinking and i'll tell them this price let me know if that works for you and that's a way of saying this is what i think you should pay me um, but i'm open to discussing it and i think those little phrases have saved jobs for me. They literally have. Um, where they'll come back like, well, that's really not close to what we were thinking. We were thinking something like this. And then now all of a sudden you've got a discussion. What you don't want in those circumstances is you come out strong with this is how much this costs. And they think, oh, that's so far out of it. And now we're embarrassed to even come back. We don't even reply. We don't even have an email reply. Um, and that's something you can get around often with just having the right type of etiquette. That's different than, uh, I really don't know how much to price this. I'd love to get paid X amount of money. Uh, please, is that okay? Like that's a totally different way of approaching the same sentiment. And I think the etiquette that you use really can be a game changer. This bad baby, tip number four, is super simple. Shouldn't take that long to explain. Email somebody. Email someone who you respect, who th you think is uh, just a few steps ahead of you that might know a little bit more than you, and just say, hey, what's your day rate? Or, hey, I'm in the pickle. What would you charge for this? I have emailed some uh, legit pros back in the day, and you know, they almost always come back with some helpful information. Most people are willing to help. So if you find yourself in a really tough situation, don't be afraid to ask for help. Go email those people that you think, uh, you know, that you could gain from that are maybe close to the situation you're in, but maybe know a little bit more than you. And uh, one tip about that, don't email grumpy people. You know, the people that are always angry on Twitter and, and always talking about their rights and all that stuff. You know, just as another hint, maybe don't talk like that all the time online because 
there's probably lots of people that don't are you know that are afraid to email you because of that. So um, that's kind of a double whammy. Like be nice to people uh, online in public and off and on email, uh, and then also if you're in a pickle and you don't know and you need to just get sometimes you just need a foundation. Um, when I first started out and I started getting asked for day rates, I had no idea. So I, I emailed three different people. Um, one was a friend. Two were professionals that I thought were maybe t- three years ahead of me. And I just adjusted my price. And I think it really can be that simple um, sometimes. And if you have never had those discussions, I think I really, really encourage you to just stop what you're doing, email a few people, get a ballpark, and then base your price on that. Number five is strike a balance between confidence and humility. Don't go in cocky. Don't go in begging. But you want to have some confidence and some humility. The times when I've priced out of greed, when I thought, man, I could take this person to the cleaners, that you know, that they're the they've got the right client name, they've got the you know, the job is so right, and I think, man, I could probably triple my price and still get away with it. The times I've had that mentality, it almost always blows up in my face. The flip side of that, however, uh, has been also true in that if I come there thinking, oh, I'm so desperate for this job, I'm going to price really low, maybe I can undercut the other guys and they're going to go with me, that doesn't work either. Like a lot of times when you approach it that way, like you've got to think about it from the other perspective, the way that other people are going to perceive these things. And I think when you're, one of the things we've talked about on the podcast before is that if you're in the, uh, if you're in the art business, it's a luxury service. You know, it's, it's like lobster. You don't want to buy cheap lobster. Like that makes you question its validity. And so often going too low and begging and having that low self-esteem Often that really paints a bad picture of who you are and what you're doing. You don't want to do it. It's not Walmart. You can't just undercut these all these people. But at the flip side, you know, going in way too high uh, can can appear cocky. It can really come off the wrong way and scare a lot of clients. That just a lot of times, if you go way too high, they won't even reply to your emails. And so for me, the best approach is try to find that balance between okay. What's the minimum I would be happy uh, doing this job for? And then what's the what number would like make me jump for joy? And try to find some place in between those two things. And that's really how I come up with a lot of prices. I think at the end of the day, you really need to trust your gut. I think you need to think, okay, what is the number I would be really happy pricing this thing at? Then go ahead and add 20% because assume that they're going to try to negotiate a little bit and you don't want to end up with a number that's lower than you wanted because you went in right with the number that you wanted. And so I think trust your gut and and don't be afraid to push it a little bit on the higher end. I'll tell you this right now. I'm fairly certain that I've lost a lot more jobs pricing too low than pricing too high. Like pricing too high, usually people come back and kind of try to work with you or do something on the especially when I was starting out if I would price really low 
I think it was a sign that I was a rookie and I think it made them not want to mess mess with me at all. And so I really don't think there's times where you should price too low. Pretty much avoid that completely. Um, but at the end of the day, you probably have a gut feeling of what you should price. And then I would say just boost your confidence up enough to ask for more than that, um, you know, 20% or something. Um, because usually they're going to push back a little bit anyway. So that's that. My last pro tip, because I realized that I got to the other ones while I was getting to the earlier ones, because I just kind of worked them all in there. My last tip is, this is what I do always, is ask them for the budget. If they say, what's the price for this thing? I always reply, just as the out of the hopes that they're going to open up and be honest about it, what budget did you have in mind for this project? What budget do you have? Um, often it's just important to get them putting their money where the mouth is a little bit, and it'll give you a, a really good picture of what's going on there. I would say that works about 30% of the time. So, um, but it's always worth it. It's always worth, um, getting that going. It's, it's, I think that's probably just a standard negoci- negotiation, uh, tip, but it works a lot of the time. Uh, yeah, so ask for the budget. Ask for their budget. Um, you know, often them asking you for the price is really putting the power in their court, and you want to play a little hardball, if you will. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah, ask them for the budget. So that's it. That wraps up our bonus episode. The, the analogies were minimal in this episode. We didn't get all philosophical like I like to do, but I'm sure that there are lots of good things to think about and talk about. I'm not an expert, but I have been doing this for uh, about eight years. I've learned some tricks along the way. They're not perfect. If you have feedback and you have more to talk about, please just tweet at me at Andy J Pizza or talk on my Instagram at the same handle. Joey Ellis and I, my buddy Joey, we had a long conversation on Twitter this morning about it. You can go reference that too. He has a lot of good ideas on the topic. Um, and yeah, none of these ideas are perfect. And I think that's why a lot of people don't want to talk about it because everybody's conscious of saying the wrong thing. Did I say all of the right things in this episode? Probably not. But the fact of the matter is there are no right or wrong anyway. And so it's good to just get the ball rolling, getting getting the discussion moving because it is important for us to understand how pricing is done in our industry so we can keep the standards up, so we can get the most from our time, um, get respect uh, for our work and what we do. One last note I want to end on is that don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. Don't be afraid to um, ask for the right amount of money. You know, don't feel self-conscious about that. Back to this idea of they're not just paying you to 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 push a button for an hour, right? That's not that's not your hourly rate. Your life experience, your skills, your expertise—they're worth being paid for. And we do need to stand together and make sure that we're asking enough money that we can thrive on. Because this podcast, at the end of the day, 
the the passion behind it is I want to help the creative industry be respected as a business. I don't want us to distance ourselves from the business side and also distance ourselves from the art side. You know, we often say, oh, we're not those suits corporate people. And then we also say, you know, we're not those artsy guys in the gallery. But really, we are both. And I think until we find a word that sums up both commercial and art, I'll just keep using that term. But I believe that we have real value in the marketplace, real value in society. We add to the business world. We can enhance others' business. For instance, on the web, imagery, good visuals massively mean traction. Like the internet is becoming more and more visual all the time, and businesses are going to need artists to help them thrive. And so don't be afraid to ask what you're worth. Don't be afraid to come up with a day rate, come up with a price that you feel good about. Uh, Joey Ellis said, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that you have a price that you can live with. And that's really what you need to go with. And I totally agree with that. And so let's not keep this discussion uh, over you know, beers and coffee, secrets, and all that jazz whispering. Let's talk about it. Is it fun for me to say, here's all the things I do and show you behind the curtain? No, it's not fun. It's not um, easy to do. And I'm sure that I haven't told you 100% totally perfect industry accurate information, but this is what I use in my own business and I hope it helps you. Let's keep the conversation rolling and uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your feedback on this topic. Thank you all for listening. I hope this episode helps you find some clarity and strategy for your creative career. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and his band Y for our theme music. Thanks to our proud syndicate Illustration Age at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Thanks to the free music archive. We use the song uh, Cosmic Slop by the band Aninon. If you want to show us some love, please review this on iTunes. It's the number one way that the show grows, and that means so much to me. If you love the show and you get stuff every week, please consider just giving a dollar an episode at patreon.com slash creative pep talk. It usually averages out to about four bucks a month. That's less than any coffee that you can go buy out there. Um, And it's the lifeblood of the show. It really helps make this not a financial burden. Thanks for listening. Uh, You know, I think that creative success is really about staying motivated and dedicated in the long run. And that means staying pepped up. So do whatever it takes. Speak soon, friends.